0: ante up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month but ante up is much more than a magazine visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations ante up it's your poker magazine
1: From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long.
0: It's June 30th, 2017. You're listening to the best poker podcast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza, And I'm Scott Long. A little trivia for you, Scott.
2: Oh, I love trivia. All
0: right, good. So, what do former world champ Joe McKeon and I have in common?
2: I'm going to say you were both recently, surprisingly, limit hold'em specialists. We are!
0: <laughs> we both won prestigious limit hold'em tournaments in the past week. <laughs> Mine's more prestigious than his. But uh, I can't believe, Scott, I won... The Papes event this week.
2: Yeah, congratulations. Thanks,
0: buddy. And it was Limit Hold'em. Whenever I have any kind of success in Limit Hold'em, I always think back to when you guys would drain my bank account playing Limit Hold'em cash games for an hour or two, before we would switch over to our other games. And I always thought to myself, how stupid was I to agree to this when we could have just had dealer's choice and played whatever we wanted one round? I mean, how stupid was that? We'd play for like five hours on a Saturday. That's true. And we'd play limit hold'em for like an hour. We'd play stud for like an hour. I don't even know, Omaha for an hour. Before we get to no limit hold'em at the end, I'd be half broke, you know. Bill's uh, Yeah, Bill's character. Uh, you know, so the the wife was going to watch one of her, you know, reality shows or something, and I'm like, hey, it's the 6th. I'm going to play in uh, Papes. And then I see it's Limit and I'm like, oh. Uh You know what? Instead, I'm going to go paint the wall and watch it dry. And uh, I was like, No, nah, I'm going to play Papes. I, I like the guys, and Limit Holden's alright. So, And I, I tell you, it's something you get into this different mode when you start playing these games. Um, You know, I I remember a long time ago once I signed up for a what I thought was a regular singo and it was limit holdem and I was like, "Oh." So you start getting into that mode of the the science of the game rather than the art of the game, you know, and you start check raising all the time and and uh it's funny because I I played with uh I didn't play with Geek Poker Geek, a man who runs the the papes and we're always grateful for that. He's our Minnesota ambassador too. Uh he was at uh, one of the other tables. And so um, he was just crushing at his table, and I was like leader at my table for a little while, and then I was actually bottom of the heap. But when the limits get up there in these limit games, you know, it's like you could be at the yeah you could be at the bottom, and then you get on any kind of rush, and you'd be at the top just like that. So, um, but yeah, at the end, uh, I played geek for the title, and I uh, a, a monkey could have won. At the end, I, I got, like, hit in the head with the deck so unbelievably. It was ridiculous. And I, I didn't have anything leading up to that. Any pots that I won were almost basically bluffs and, you know, races in good spots and things like that because I was making nothing early on. But uh, they, 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 it's kind of, I'm not going to put an asterisk next to it, but it was kind of tainted because Gambit didn't play.
2: Ah, uh, yes. You
0: know, and if Gambit's not in the field, you kind of feel like, you know, he didn't really win the title.
2: Street falling in the forest, right? <clears throat>
0: exactly, um, but it was a lot of fun. And it's funny because you're going to bring up our uh, good friend Ed in a little bit, and uh, he was there playing, and uh, Rich from Alaska was playing, and it was just it was a lot of fun. And I've never I never won an age title. I finished second like four times or three times or something, and I made no a few tables. No banana, but this is like the actual. This is the only thing that's available now for the any up nation so i feel like it's a banana worthy victory
2: yeah i think i would give you credit for that so Plus
0: beat I beat peeps i mean i beat the geek
2: you know there might be a banana left uh one or two banana two one or two bananas left in my closet here so let me see
0: <laughs> if i can find one <laughs> no that's okay save it for uh when the online poker comes you. back we, hey, online poker is going to come back someday and we we'll might have real apes events again and <laughs> saves a bit. But anyway, it was a lot of fun and I just I, remember to remind everybody that our play money any up intercontinental poker series is uh every date that ends in a 6. And if you want more details to play with us, and they take it seriously. It's it's no joke. I mean, some people, you know, sign up for it and then forget about it and there might be an empty seat here and there, but the ones who are playing, they're they're good players. They've been with us pretty much from the beginning. And uh, you can go to PokerRadius.com dot com and you can find out all the details on how to play with us. It's it's fun and I enjoyed it. It was uh, it's the last time, first time I won a tournament. Like because I, I don't play tournaments and that was something else too that's come up. You know, well, Chris? Why don't you play tournaments and you know I haven't won a tournament. I mean, it's not as prestigious as winning, say, uh, any a poker tour
2: horse event, but uh, I'll take it. Well, good. I hope to get in there sometime. I just uh wow, it's just been busy lately, so probably. yeah,
0: well, you're only you know see had I known his
2: limit hold him, I would have been in there, and you wouldn't have had anything to talk about on the show, so well,
0: you need to actually get on there and actually get some play chips because he charges twenty grand to play in the event, and you know yeah get-
2: you know, and that's the other thing I was talking about is I'm like, you know, I might want to get in on this, but uh you spooked me last time because I totally forgot that you have to actually uh pay to play and pay in quotes,
0: <laughs> I know. <clears throat> they gave you like twelve thousand five hundred to start, but that's still not enough to play in these events. So you gotta show some actual skill and win some money to get enough to play. So, although I'm sure if we knew you were gonna play, we could transfer some chips to you.
2: Yeah, okay.
0: So we'll give you that. But uh, anyway, it's a lot of fun. And I'm gonna thank everybody who came out and gave me their chips.
2: Someday, someday I'll get back there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you mentioned Ed Rindler, our, our good friend, and uh, he sent us <coughs> an email this week. And every once in a while, we get an email from our listeners. Uh, That make me giggle. And uh, so this week's was from Ed. So he wrote us and said, uh, hey, I've been listening to you guys for a while. I find you funny and informative. Please let my wife know that. (laughs) Um, I uh, listen using my iTunes app. And last week while driving home, I missed something that was said while I was driving. I went to hit the back 15 seconds button a few times so I could re-listen. I apparently hit the speed button and put you at half speed. I've never laughed so hard. The two of you sounded completely drunk. The mannerisms in your voices were compounded, making it sound like I was sitting at a bar listening to a couple people discuss a hand. I just wanted to share that you guys brought joy to my otherwise boring drive, even if it was unintentional. You
0: know, he brought this up during the tournament, and I told him, I said, I hate to break it to you, but you didn't hit the speed button. We're just normally drunk when we <laughs> when we do this, especially Scott, but... Uh, I can imagine I remember way back when when we first started the show, we had this sort of rivalry going with this other i don't know what you'd call their podcast, but it was some podcast from some other place, and they were making fun of us for something, and they kind of slowed down our voice and then put like animation with our pictures from the remember the photo shoot we did with Dave Morrison back in the day and they, they sort of made fun of us and slowed our voices down and it was like, talking like right theirs really slow and it was pretty funny and I can only imagine that's probably how he sounded when, when he did that
2: <laughs> um, I would love to discuss a hand with you drunk at a bar some <laughs>
0: night, <so. laughs> we've done that jeez, how many times have we traveled together and you got hammered, I think we've done that yeah,
2: you were never drunk at no, a bar no, that's true no, it's not the same. When one of us is going, the other one is talking. Well, however, what you call normal, the way you talk. But well, don't hold your breath. I wonder if you were drunk, whether you actually say button.
0: <laughs> button. You know, it's like I have a speech impediment or something with you. I don't know what the deal is.
2: On the board. Yeah,
0: say bowl for everybody, <laughs> pal. <laughs>
2: Well, another thing that made me laugh about this was that uh, Poker Geek, uh, we're bringing all, everybody, look at all these callbacks in the show already. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was the first one that told me that he actually listened to us on double speed or triple speed or, you know, ludicrous speed or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. And how fat, How it sounds like, and I think it was actually his wife, Kristen, that actually said that she would walk in and hear him and she would giggle because we would sound like we're little mice. Um, and I'm like, I, there's just no way I could ever listen to anything uh, that's not at the right speed. <laughs> I just can't do it.
0: I know. So right now, I'm going to freak out Poker Geek. I'm going to talk really fast like this and see if you can really understand what I'm saying, and then I'm going to talk really slow so that we sound normal to him when, he, when he's listening to us on that speed. <laughs> that's what we should do. We should do like a whole show like that where we oh. just talk like this, <laughs> which is pretty much the way it goes down here in the South. I mean, most people talk like this down here, anyway. So,
2: kind of depends where they came from.
0: Yeah, it's true, but uh, that's pretty funny. I I would like to hear that. Like, I, would, I don't want to do it myself, but I would like to actually hear what we sound like sped up. I mean, you must freaking break the glass in his car, you know.
2: The other thing I'm impressed by this is that Ed actually felt like he missed something that he needed to re-listen to. <laughs> no. I know. I got to think most of our listeners are like, what, what, uh, never mind. Just-
0: <laughs> There's no way we said something that important <laughs> while you're driving, too, you know. we we'll you're looking away from traffic to rewind something that we said. Jeez.
2: <laughs> oh, man. All right, World Series updates uh, through Event 48. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, 2015 World Champ Joe McKeon won Event number 38, the $10,000 buy-in limit Hold'em Championship. A little bit more cheddar in the game than uh, than your Papes win, sorry to say.
0: But. Yeah, and both his wins are 10K buy-ins. Mm,
2: well, must, I mean, must be rough. Yeah, is he really a pro if he can't win a tournament that's less than $10,000? Exactly. Have that argument.
0: Exactly. Try to win Papes, pal.
2: Uh, Refat Pelvic. Uh, and- that
0: was that was murder.
2: <laughs> one event number 39, the $1,000 buy-in, Super Turbo Bounty. And because of that super fast structure, his prize worked out to be $12,260 an hour of play. Pretty good uh, return on investment. Wow. Uh, my favorite one here tonight, Ernie Bond, uncle of Chris Casenza, Nemesis, and Pro Bowler Parker Bond three. One event number 40, the $1,500 buy-in stud 8 event. It's Bone. Bone, yeah, I see. <laughs> and he was By my nemesis. gaming regulators have approved new rules allowing parimutuel wagering on a host of other competitions, including major sports drafts, e-gaming, and yes, World Series of Poker final tables.
0: What does that even mean? I don't even know what that means.
2: Well, eventually, you know, you could, you could probably bet on the odds of somebody winning the final table before, you know, when he set the odds. Now it's just like uh, if you're going to a horse race. So now the more money that's that's wagered on, uh, say Chris Cosenza. yeah, uh, the payout if Chris Casenza wins is going to be low. Wow! Uh, And the more money bet, uh, or the fewer amount of money bet on Poker Geek means that you know, more money you would win that way, just like a horse race.
0: Okay. All right. Very interesting.
2: It's a different way of betting, different, different wagering.
0: I, I'm, I think I'm surprised is that it wasn't already that way in the first place. I...
2: Well, paramutual is actually, I mean, it's as prevalent as it is with horse racing and then dog racing in uh, high life across the country. Uh, it's really what it's been limited to. So
0: uh-huh.
2: um, I think that the other kind <clears throat> of wagering developed in other ways. So um, it, it's definitely a way that's probably more accessible to people that are used to wagering around the country because, you know, you can only bet on sports legally. In um, uh Nevada Um aside from some of those weird ways you can do it in Delaware now so but every almost every country all right sorry every state has paramutual wagering. so people are probably more um with the exception of you are yeah. more uh in tune with how that works so
0: so you're you're headed out there tomorrow right
2: you're headed to Vegas tomorrow first thing in the morning frontier airlines like Yay! Final, supports tsa precheck so i no longer hate frontier for making Airfare so cheap that I had to take it and be inconvenienced. But
0: (laughs) Um, so, are you going to make any wagers while you're out there? Uh,
2: No, I don't think. Well, I I don't know. I have a friend. uh, They gave me a a Benjamin to put down on something. Although I'm trying to talk him out of it because I don't think it's a good wager. But uh, but no, I I I want it's a quick trip. (laughs) Uh, I land on Thursday, all day Friday and Saturday. I'm at the TDA meeting uh, TDA summit. So we'll have lots of report back on next week. Um, and then Friday night is the annual TDA tournament. So I guess I'll—that that is the one thing that I plan on wagering on is entering that tournament. It's always fun to play poker with a bunch of other poker room managers and then wait for the floor calls. Those are the best. <laughs> uh, but aside from that, I don't know. I don't know if I'll, I'll have any more time. I, um, um, but, you know, maybe. We'll see. But it's probably the quickest Vegas trip I've ever taken. So wow. two nights and then then back here for my watermelon eating contest uh, no wagering allowed on that by the way
0: oh okay,
2: but oh, uh, but now i want to talk about parker bone is that it
0: yeah parker bone the third wow,
2: i've been calling him bond my entire life it's yeah. so much cooler to say bond
0: well because you know it's you know but no it's not it's bone
2: w- was parker bone two maybe a poker bond <laughs> well, I think there was a junior, and when, not when a two. He came along and got all famous by being on the little bar bowling game that he changed the name to be stupid. <laughs> no, um, I think there were always bones. Time when I go to the dive bars, because there he is, Parker Bond Three rolling on this video game, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> the only people that know who he is are the people that that are in dive bars playing that, and Chris Cassandra.
0: That's so. right that's right and it's funny you call him a nemesis because we actually did bowl the junior bowlers tour at the same time even though he was older than me I was much younger
2: see I knew that I knew that
0: but uh he's older than me by like six years but I think when I was like eight or nine I was bowling he was still bowling he was 14 or 15 so um but uh we weren't really really cross paths he uh he was out of my league too. he's a much better bowler obviously um but uh, it's funny, I knew you were gonna murder it, and I didn't say anything i didn't I didn't alert you before the show because I knew you were gonna call him Bond. at uh like the auto bond you terrible. know <laughs> um but uh yeah, he's been killing it for years now he's on the senior tour still killing it
2: now I wonder what the uh, uh the hour now I'm kind of curious whether people can work out the hourly rate for the other tournaments, yeah. Uh, just to see what it is, I, I actually would have no idea. Um, I would imagine the main event, which obviously is the longest tournament, but also really, really nice payday, might be nowhere near this, but still pretty significant. I would think, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you uh, got to think that like most of these events last 12 to 15 hours a day, so it's not that difficult to figure out. Really, if you think if you just take the average of you know, fourteen hours. Maybe thirty six hours. Yeah, maybe thirty six <laughs> yeah, or forty hours. We'll call it a forty hour work week is really oh, all it there is. There you go. Yeah.
2: And yeah. then
0: just do that. So I mean if you made twelve million like Jamie Gold, well there you go. <laughs> that's a pretty good work week. But that's a longer tournament, so um but mostly these three days so are three days, so you know, well, on average work week. So you won, you know, seven hundred grand for a work week. Not too bad, you know. Not too bad. But that is pretty funny, that it, the Super Turbo. And that thing ended pretty quick, too.
2: Yeah, it was one day. One day. One that's, day just,
0: that's just pretty I awesome. I, I think they should all be that way. One-day tournaments.
2: Well, I you know it's interesting. I, I talk to people about this. I and mean, we, we talked on the show, too, that you know when you go out to the World Series, if you're your average grinder uh, back here, your tournaments at home usually last four hours, five hours at most, Right. right. So to sit down at a tournament that... Is going to last even twelve hours as that one did, um, let alone a three day one where you're coming back every day and playing that long is just a foreign concept to most poker players, I think. So
0: Yeah, I mean the first time I bagged chips was such a weird thing. Like you gotta go back and play and you're home, you know, it's weird. You know. That's such a weird feeling. But uh, to do it twice and Yeah. I mean most like you said, most of these people have never even played a tournament that's more than one day. You know, very rarely.
2: Uh, a little trivia, uh, I don't believe I've ever bagged chips. Really? I had one tournament at Palm Beach Kennel Club. It was a horse tournament, um, and it was getting late at night, and I would have bagged, um, but I had a ship inspection the next day for Antioch Cruises. Oh. So I don't even know why I entered the tournament, because if I knew if I did it, <clears throat> made it day two, I wasn't going to be able to make the shipping inspection. So I don't know. It was stupid, right? hmm so I got down towards the end, and I didn't have a lot of chips, but I had enough chips that I would have bagged and came back the next day. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to have to make a choice tomorrow between my own personal glory and the company. <laughs> I'm going to have a lot of chips and make it a real decision, right? So I was just firing left and right trying to build up the stack, of course. the very last hand of the night, I got eliminated. So that was the closest I got to bagging.
0: I, the last time I bagged, I think, was a, a silks tournament, believe it or not. I don't remember what it was, but I remember I bagged chips, went back the next day, the very first hand, I have jack-ten of clubs, the flop comes three clubs, we get it all in with two players, on the very first hand, one guy had A's three of clubs, the other guy had king four of clubs, and I had jack-ten of clubs, and I was out. And I went all that way for one hand. I'll never forget that. But I bagged there. I think I bagged one other thing, like a Derby Lane one or something. I don't remember what it was, but I bagged I've bagged twice in my life, I don't remember what they were. And I don't play that often either. You know, I don't play tournaments ever. So I don't I don't really know how I would if I would bag more often than that. But I, th- I could have sworn you bagged No, I guess not. I thought you bagged a any up event. But I guess they all end in one day. When,
2: when nah, well, no, there's a couple that like <laughs> well, the World Championship this year has four or five multi-day events. But I don't believe I've actually ever entered a multi-day event um, at at an AnyUp Up one yet because they've just been on. I don't know. That's but but this year I might. There's actually one that I'm going to be out there for because I'm getting out there a little bit late. But there's one uh, that I, I might uh, might enter. So maybe maybe this is my year. Who knows? Man.
0: All right. Any updates? Four Junior Suite Antioch Pogo Cruise packages for two will be given away at each LaBerge Casino Hotel in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and at LaBerge Casino Resort in Lake Charles in July. So what what cruise are these for?
2: This is for our Galveston cruise. It's a good point. I should have added that on there. Uh, coming up September 17th. Awesome. Uh, which is actually going to be a really fun cruise, I think. it's uh, Seven nights is going to Honduras back to Roatan. Um and actually a port that I've never been to. Um, I think you were on the cruise that we were supposed to go there. Maybe, uh, Costa Maya. Yeah. Um, and uh, Doctor Frank had this great um
0: excursion yeah, planned or whatever lunch
2: thing planned yeah. up with a little. Fa- he had a family <laughs> online somewhere. I don't know Craigslist or something, right? And uh, this family was going to uh, take us into the home and show us around and cook a traditional. Mexican um, lunch for us. I was all excited, and then uh, because of uh, the high seas that day, we couldn't stop. So uh, so we'll be going back there. Now this will be the first time, hopefully, uh, that we've been there. But uh, it's going to be a good cruise. So that's what I, it's
0: Yeah, I was there on a different cruise. I think a family cruise once before. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if I even got off the ship. That might have been one of the ones where I stick, stuck around and won a carnival. I think I won a carnival crew uh, trivia contest, and they gave you the medal. Oh, I think yeah. when we were on that on that port, I think I didn't get off. So I haven't actually been off either. Then I guess so. Uh, anyway, so one package and five hundred bucks will go to the winner of invitational tournaments every Saturday, and cash prizes of two hundred dollars to one thousand dollars going to the four runners up. Players can win in- uh, invitations to participate in a variety of ways, including winning daily tournaments, logging the most cash play, or being selected in social media contests. For more details, visit com. Uh, also, uh, PokerRadius.com is a great poker new, uh, networking site. I mentioned it earlier in the show, and it's home to our Anti Up Group discussions. Basic memberships are free, and you get access to the Anti Up Group discussions, but uh, also upgraded memberships get you access to discounts on poker products and automatic entries to contests.
2: Now, before you move on, I want a, a quick shout out to our friend Matt Bodor because he sends an email asking, well, Who is typing during the show? It's bothering my sensitive ears. So is you. And I just want to apologize that I was, I, I was typing there to um, add in the Galveston Cruise information. So the next time, we wouldn't have to go through what we
0: did. Here's a little, little hint to everyone uh, listening. Every noise you hear is Scott. <laughs> We've gotten rid of a few of them because we told him to stop using his headset because he, his cat would come in or he'd hit the headset with his hands or he'd fix his hair or something. He didn't know he was making that noise. So now he doesn't use the headset. So now I, that's gotten rid of that. But any noise you hear in the background, that's Scott because I sit like a mummy. I don't well, even move. I
2: don't remember typing usually. I'm like, I, it's not me. I don't sit there to do typing. But but then I realize, you know, sometimes I, I correct some of my mistakes. So I was yeah. correcting mistakes. So
0: a no lot problem. of times when I'm like starting to read something off the file and then I stop reading and people are wondering like, is it not how to read? And I'm like, no, it's Scott moving the cursor over the words and I can't read the words because it says Scott Long is here and I can't see what it is. It's not me. Like I know how to read, believe me. But uh, a lot of times it's Scott typing, so it's all on him today. This is and Scott Day. <laughs> hey, each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at, at com, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call to Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. Comes from Reed Perkins. He says, I have king, queen of diamonds, and there are two diamonds on the flop. There are two players to act before me and one after me. The first player bets, second player calls, I call, The final player folds, but not before lifting his cards up to show his buddy, and the Ace of Diamonds flashes enough for me to see, but not enough for the other two people in the hand. A diamond hits the turn, and I'm able to play the hand much more strongly, since I know I have the nut flush. Should I have spoken up and let the rest of the table know what I had seen? The dealer didn't say anything, and I figured if they kept quiet, I should too, but obviously it put me at a pretty big disadvantage uh, of the hand. Any uh, general thoughts on how you should behave if there is a person at the table who flashes their cards unintentionally in a way that lets you see either post-flop or pre-flop?
2: I always find this a difficult situation, right? Yeah. Um, I think the right thing to do, and if it it, it it works, is to immediately say, hey, sorry, I saw that card. Can you show everyone? Um, and that's the way it should happen. Um, now, obviously, in this situation... Reed saw it. He knew it. I don't know how quickly it happened. That's the thing. Sometimes it happens quickly, and then the the dealer already has the next card out, and then now I think you're causing more problems. Um, But if you're able to slow down and stop the action and let people know that you saw a card that they should see as well, too, I think that's the proper way to do it. It's certainly the gentlemanly way to do it. I don't really know whether there's an ethical way uh, I, it's Certainly not a rule that you should point that out. I it's probably a question on whether it's even ethically um incumbent on you to do it, but but certainly I would I would do what I could to let people know that I have an advantage that I um that they don't.
0: Now I'm not gonna get political on the show. <laughs> because I don't like to do that's that. what
2: people say when they, they, they have a political statement coming up. So
0: but and there's the but. Is there uh, any way that the players in the hand, if this goes to showdown, can use it against him if he does say that the Ace of Diamonds flashed? And by that, can I now make them think, oh, because he, he did that knowing he'd have the nuts, but that we might think our hand got stronger because I had the Jack of Diamonds, Ten of Diamonds in my hand. Is there any way that someone could misinterpret him telling them that the ace of diamonds flashed at all? I'm just the reason why I say that is because yeah, this well, whole that's a
2: good point, yeah,
0: you know the whole uh, thing with the Russians and our election lately, where they're saying that you know <laughs> Obama should have said something because and, and they're like, well, he's damned if he did and he's damned if he didn't because if he did say something, they'd say he was trying to sabotage their side, and if he doesn't say something, now he's trying to help her side, so that's what i'm wondering here does he get no, screwed for saying something
2: great point and we got a couple other listener spotlights that are kind of similar to this that are going to be coming up in, in future shows and um to one of them that was one of my response is that um you know this is an unfortunate situation no matter what happens now right yeah. you know what we all want is every hand of poker to be dealt fairly no mistakes in the dealer no mistakes in the players And just play out the way it should. Like most hands do, right? Right. But every once in a while, there's a hand that something goes wrong. And so I guess you can make a case one way or the other of why you should speak up or not because of what you mentioned. Uh, I'm always going to side with the fact of, of quote unquote doing the right thing. And so I think the right thing here is to say, hey, folks, I saw that card. Dealer, Can you please expose it? so everybody can see it so we all have the same information and then if somebody wants to go down a rabbit hole and think that there's some kind of other thing going on you know that's on them that's not on me yeah yeah you know, that just mean that you're not <laughs> going to be adversely affected by being the good guy here and doing the right thing and you know I, I, i'm not going to criticize something if they feel like that's going to happen so they don't but um, I, I'm always going to choose to try to do the right thing if I can, and then, and not, not focus so much on the unintended consequences of doing the right thing. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Yes. And, and I'll just a peripheral point about this too, is this comes up pretty often on the show. If someone, cause I think that one of the questions he said was, you know, general thoughts on how you should treat somebody. I always tell them if I can see their cards, I say, look, Hey. Just protect your cards a little better, because I think I can see them. And here's my one and only warning: you know, after that, if they're still showing them, well, then then they that's their problem, not mine. And if I get that information pre-flop, hey, that's it's not my fault that you're showing the cards, you know. So right. that's that's how I treat it.
2: And I think there's an important thing to add to that, and now you've just completely ruined a future listener spotlight. Thank you, Chris. But, Sorry. But they uh, bring, this comes up on the show a lot, so we can still talk it about it. It does, that. but we a lot of our listener spotlights coming up are... are <laughs> I always thought about doing a whole combination of them because you're going to go, hey, didn't we just talk about this? <laughs> um, but no, you're right. And that's the that's the advice I gave uh, one of our listeners who, who sent us in saying the same thing. It's like, hey, I got the guy next to me. Keep showing his cards. But he's like, you know, I don't want to quit looking that way because part of my game is looking at my opponent's uh, facial um, you know, features and how they act and try to pick up tells on them. So if I, if I don't look at him uh, because I don't want to see the cards that he's going to show me, that's putting me at a disadvantage now. And I'm like, I totally agree. So, you know, I told them the same thing that, that you just said that I do. I give them one warning, and then if not, then, you know, it's too bad for them. But that, that is unfortunate, though, that now, you know, even if you do the right thing and the person says, ah, whatever, or, oh, hell, thank you, and then they keep showing, um, you are going to get an advantage um, yeah. by doing that. Um, but there's no other, you know, it, there's no way around that, I don't think, you know, unless you just want to say, hey, folks, I have told this guy three times that I can see his cards. I'm like I'm gonna keep looking that way, not to look at his cards, but because uh, it's my right. As all you guys have a right to watch players act. I don't know what more to do with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't think you want to do that, right? Because that that sounds like that's gonna open up a whole can of worms. Yeah,
0: exactly. And then there's
2: that guy. Yeah. Right? You know? So I I think the takeout from all this is that poker is an imperfect game. So and it's interesting to me when I get letters from people, especially when we're talking about um, you know Elliot's rulings on call the floor you know there's such a desire for people to have fairness right right you know is that fair is that fair it's just right and um we all want fairness but again when there's a mistake happening in a hand whoever is responsible it's going to be really hard for the hand to be completely fair from that point out no matter what the ruling is or no matter what you do in the situation we just mentioned so you know i think as fair as possible is the best standard that you can go for
0: yeah hey find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or your home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been email us at podcast we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled this week's prize is a 30 minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars which specializes in poker odds and math at poker911.net comes from Bart to tell us He says, on the river, a player makes a $35 bet. Another player bets $25, not seeing that the $35 bet had been made. The $25 better then says he's all in, and the other player calls and loses. The loser then claims that his opponent shouldn't have been able to raise. The floor rules that a $25 bet was a call and no raise should have been allowed. What should have happened?
2: Elliott says the floor person ruled correctly in this situation. The player that put $25 in the pot acted in turn and is not allowed to change his mind. Roberts rules of poker states all wagers and calls of an improperly low amount must be brought up to proper size if the error is discovered before the betting round has been completed. No one uh, who has acted may change to a call, change a call to a raise because the wager size has been changed. Not having seen another player make a bet is not a proper reason to allow someone to take chips back and change their action
0: yeah could you imagine how many times people could use that angle shot you know
2: yeah, all right, I'm gonna have to disagree with uh <coughs> with Elliot and even his sourcing i think and and maybe he didn't read this or or consider it all or maybe it, it doesn't matter um to him or to anyone maybe, but it says um it, it, going back to his Robert rules of poker, it says um, if the error is discovered before the betting round has been completed, all right? mm-hmm, in this case. We have a guy at bet 35 we have a guy at bet 25 Oh, sorry, I didn't realize that. I'm going to raise. And the other guy said all-in, and the betting was closed at that point. And it's after the hand, the guy lost, he's like, Whoa, hey, wait a minute, I lost, so uh, I don't think I should give the whole all-in now because I think it was the the $25 guy made a incorrect assessment of what he was allowed to do. The dealer and the other player allowed him to do that. And then because that other player lost has sour grapes now and says, hey, uh I don't think that should have called. Now I, I guess I could give the guy the benefit of the doubt that if he had he won, he would have also had the same epiphany and said, Hey, I'm sorry. I think that should have been a thirty five dollar bet and you shouldn't have gone all in and I shouldn't have called, so here you go. I doubt that seriously though, right? Right. I think this guy's doing it because he lost the bet and is now saying, wait a minute right
0: I think you are right. Um because I think what Elliot maybe is just is forgetting that they went all in and did it all and then erased all that. I think if they had called the floor before any of that happened...
2: Exactly. Different yeah, story.
0: Yeah, exactly. Different story. But I think you're right. I said, when once the dealer didn't catch it and the guy agrees to it and then puts all his money in and then loses, I think he would have been singing a different tune had he put all his money in one. He wouldn't have said, oh, you know what? I shouldn't be giving, getting all your money because... No, he would have kept his mouth shut. That's called winning on a technicality, sour grapes, and uh, poor play, and he shouldn't have done it.
2: Now, I don't want to discourage anybody from asking for a clarification on what the rule should be after a situation has happened, because that's important. Um, But uh, I think the proper ruling should have been the floor was said, hey, the hand is all over. We can't undo the mistake that was made. But, yes, that was a mistake. And and, uh, just a reminder to all players that if you put in an under bet, you can't raise. You can only bring it up. But since the action was over, you can't do anything about it now. So in the future, if you ever have any question about whether a bet is is proper, the time to ask is before you act on your your hand or on that rule.
0: Yep, absolutely. And you can tell that that's not what this guy was doing. You know, this guy was Tower Grapes and just said, hey, wait a minute. yeah, Okay, like me calling the poker room on the street as I'm driving home saying, I think I made a straight. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I come back and get my chips? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, we got a brand new O'Malley's Move. Here it comes.
1: Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're in the same one dollar, two dollar Nolan and Holdem Casino cash game that we were in last week. After getting our stack up to 375 from 200, we've suffered a few losses and now sit with around 300. The blinds post and it's folded to us in the MP with two black tens. We raise it to ten dollars. The cutoff calls, but everybody else folds. The cutoff seems to be a solid player, but we've had limited play against him. He sits with 450. There is about $20 in the pot, and the flop is the Jack of Hearts, Ten of Hearts, Nine of Diamonds. Well, we hit our set, but this is an extremely coordinated and wet board. We make it $15 to go. Our opponent calls after very little thought. The pot is approaching $50, and the turn is the king of clubs. Bad card. It's on us. What's the move? it's time
2: for the advancedpokertraining.com hand
1: of the week. Send your
2: hands or situations to podcasts at com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Uh, This week's comes from uh, Andy Castro, and uh, he says, I just got back from a few days in Vegas. I went out there to support a close friend who was playing in a few events at the WSOP. What's up? What's up? Uh, Well, there I played cash games, and uh, here's one hand uh, that he played in a 1-3 no-limit hold'em game at the Encore. Uh, He says, I was the big blind. I've been at this table for about an hour and had about $250. Under the gun player raises to $10, and he's described as a young guy, loose player, but not crazy aggressive, and it folds to the button who calls. Small blind folds, and now it's on us in the big blind with pocket threes.
0: Pocket trays, I guess. Pocket trays. Uh call. Right?
2: Has to be, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean it. under
0: the gun razor is raising, so you're not gonna just test him with pocket threes. If he's under the gun, I mean, you know. Usually you gotta give him credit for a group one hand, and if not, still threes are threes. So but we could pop a set on him. Let's maybe try to win some money. So uh, and then we got another caller in there, so it makes it even worth it even more. So let's call yeah, it's called seven it's bucks. A-
2: one of the perfect scenarios for set mining because we're in the big blinds, so it costs us a little less, right? Right. And we have an under-the-gun player, and as you mentioned, um, the odds are that he has a premium hand at this point. Um, So that means the odds are that he's going to see bet. Um, And so if we hit our set, the odds are that we have a better chance of profiting from this set mining than we do in other situations, so. Not a reason not to do it other places, but I just like this situation a lot. So yeah, I like it too. We'll see what happens here.
0: But. Yeah, and no one really puts you on a pocket pair when you're in the blinds and you're just calling because you're just defending. You know, most of the time they're just thinking, "Oh, he's probably defending with Jack Ten or something." You know, what I mean, they don't think, "Oh, he just flopped a set on me. I have an overpair. I'm going to be good here." So, yeah, it's a perfect, just perfectly disguised hand too. I think.
2: Yeah, flop sets are always really. Uh, that's why their flop sets are so powerful because I mean, we, every hand of the week we can sit there and go. Uh, well, you could have a set, right? yep, yep. You know, no, so um, and then you you train yourself not to worry about that as much as you might have so that's right, all right, um, all right, so our hero does that, he does call, and he says, I think it was set mining and fold to a bet if I didn't hit a set on the flop, and uh, he also wants to mention that the original razor has us covered, okay, flop was seven four four rainbow, and we are first act.
0: Well, he said it himself. I mean, another gun player easily could have an overpair to this. All it takes is eights. And in cash games, people raise with pairs, eights and bigger from any position. So, you know, I'll check. I mean, there might be a chance where if I've played with these people enough and I know what kind of hands they're doing, what kind of players they are, I might check raise. um, Or I might just bet out and get them to fold. Um, check raising is pretty powerful here because you're in the blinds, so you could represent that four. And you could even represent a seven if they have ace king or if they have sixes or something, you know. So check raise isn't uh I think isn't a bad play either. If if you got a pretty firm read on these guys and um you know, you could totally represent that four now. Now the problem is if, if the button has ace four suited, <laughs> then you're kind of in trouble. That's but the problem. But uh, maybe he'll raise and then get you out. So, you know, pre flop. I mean, uh, before it gets to you, before you can check raise. So, I, I think I'm going to check here because that's what we said we were going to do anyway that we're going to get out and fold to a bet. So, no reason now just because it's a smallish board that changes. I don't think that changes unless you feel confident that they don't really have anything and you can represent a four very well. So, there's two ways to go. I feel like I'm just going to check here and see if it checks around, which is probably what's going to happen.
2: Uh yeah, I think you're right uh, not, nothing's changed from our strategy here. We, we we were set mining, we didn't hit the set. Um it's likely that um this is a flop that our under the gun player is going to see bet on because other than us and the big blind, it's hard to imagine somebody with a 7 or 4 in their hand. Um and at that point, then I might decide, you're right, it's going to depend on what the button does, what, what I do after that. Um, I, I don't think I want to check raise here, though, because and represent the four. I still want to represent the four, but I think we're in a better situation if we just make a call and then try to represent the four later on if we need to. I think the problem with check raising here is now we've got to keep that ruse up, right?
0: Well, you're hoping to take it down with a check raise, and they're going to well, realize hoping,
2: it. Yeah, but if, if you get called now you <clears> got to keep either shut down and and lose control of the hand um, and probably lose the hand or keep the ruse up. Now, obviously, if a trade comes, that's beautiful, but I'm not going to count on a two-outer coming to save me. Right. But if we were just to call and then we could check-raise on the next street maybe, depending how it is, or we we have the power to maybe put some confusion on the river and maybe win this. Um, So I like keeping that option in my back pocket.
0: Well, let me ask you this though. I mean, if you don't check-raise now, that means you're calling a bet if they bet. And we already said we weren't going to do that because we we're set mining. So unless you're using the check-raise now, you're literally going to have to call a bet, hope that the turn doesn't hit them, and you know what I mean. And then hope they believe you have a four after not betting it after calling a better. I mean, you know, what I'm saying uh, and you're risking I, I think some I more can money.
2: I think I yeah. could sell it because it's a rainbow board. If it wasn't a rainbow board, I think it would be harder to sell. And I don't think if you had a four in this situation in the big blind, you're not worried about somebody having something like five, six out there. So there's really no danger on this board right now. So okay. I would actually be surprised that most players in general, if they had a four in the big blind here, would actually check raise with it. I think they would would want to you know, have you string yourself with two bets rather than one bet before they, they came alive with that. Um, the other thing, too, is that, you're right, if like a king or queen or ace comes, then, yeah, we, we threw an extra bet in that we weren't anticipating putting in at the beginning of the hand, and then we could shut down. But if, say, like, I don't know, an eight, which, again, I know we're worried about the five, well, there's a possibility of five, six, but not worry about it. if an eight comes, now I can act like it's time to put the hammer down with my four and, and probably still get um, some respect for having a four.
0: Hmm. That's interesting, I, and that's the other thing, too, is it's you and I have this sort of moment to reflect on it, but I, would you do it in real time, too? Would you think of all that real time, or would you just be like, oh, I'm going to check-raise here because I don't believe this guy? Or are you going to be like, I'm going to wait till the next street to check-raise because I think I'm going to sell You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's yeah. a lot to think about in this moment. because Pretty fast. I would
2: say I didn't put a lot of thought into what I just said. It's just when I looked at that flop, anytime there's a two-pair, I mean, a pair on the flop, and it's a low pair that doesn't seem like it hit anyone... Um, it kinda gives me it makes me feel a little more confident if I have a pair in my hand, regardless of what the pair is. Um I know it's probably a bit a little bit flawed, but that's when I saw that, you know, as soon as I saw that I'm like, eh, I'm gonna check, I'm gonna call a reasonable bet and then um, you know, see it now I retains some power in this hand. Now I may not use that power later on, might decide it's just not the right situation based on how things go. But but, you know, I'd say it, it's ten it's what, thirty bucks in the pot here, maybe thirty two. You know, if he bets 20, then I'm, I'm out. I don't think I'm going to chase for that. But if it's a half pot or 10 bucks or something like that, I think it's probably worth another 10 bucks to have a chance to take this pot down. Okay. But A lot, a lot of things have to happen before we get to that point.
0: Right. So, so we're checking no matter what anyway because we're not betting out. So
2: Yeah, yeah I am. So. Okay. All right. Uh, our hero checks. He says, uh, much to my surprise, the preflop razor checks as well, and the button does as well. So it checks around.
0: Yeah, that's what I said earlier. I just had a feeling that because I'm saying to myself, how can you get in trouble right now with this flop? Once they bet, you said you're going to fold, so I knew he was going to check around. I just knew it.
2: they <laughs> so are always assuming the worst. Yeah. Um, I, I'm actually kind of surprised. I guess we'll see what happens with the with the uh, under the gun here. But uh, th- this is a good this is a good board for any hand that an under the gun player would play. I think.
0: Um, yeah.
2: So I'm a little surprised that he would check and then show some weakness, unless you know maybe he was doing it with. Pocket sevens and was trying to wheel us in. I don't know, right? Um, or was hoping somebody would catch up to something, but not beat our aces or kings. I don't know. It's really weird. Um, but if I had ace king here, I'm definitely betting and trying to take this thing down right now. But. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right. So a little foreshadowing here. Our uh, hero says this check from the plea flop razor should have been my first alarm, but unfortunately it didn't register. Yeah. Turn was a tray. So again, our are now is seven-four-four tray, giving us for the full house, and we are first to act now.
0: Well, now you check again. I mean, it's clear, even like you said, it's always fishy, and believe it or not, I, I, I owe this to Annie Duke. In one of her books that she wrote, she mentioned this, where, you know, you were the aggressor, you were under the gun, and you raised, you have to have a hand here. If you don't bet now, it's fishy. So when this guy didn't bet, it totally was fishy. It, it could have been 7-7, seven, seven, and he's like, if I bet now I'm going to lose them, and I'm not going to make any money on this hand except for the one pre-flop, call, two pre-flop calls. After Rake, he's making like 18 bucks. So it makes sense. There's nothing to be afraid of on this flop for a pre-flop under the gun razor. So it does seem like he has pocket 7. So if it felt fishy to you, I would check call. And then, on the end, if he checks, or you know, if if he checks when you check, then you know you're probably good. I don't think he's gonna wait another street. He's got to get some value. But if he bets something reasonable, I might call. And because you can't be positive he has that, he could still have aces and hope somebody catches up with a jack on the turn or something. So or on the river. So I I think I would still check here. I think I would. I think I would check one more time if I believed that this guy was fishy um and let him come alive and then see what happens we're i mean i think we're screwed it's hand of the week and he didn't bet under the gun so we're probably screwed <laughs> but in the moment you're like i got threes full i i can't fold i don't think
2: yeah this is interesting because i i my initial reaction was i was going to bet here because no one had bet and i was just kind of try to quote unquote steal it with my now made hand um well, listening to you i think you're probably right it's probably we have a better chance of getting value by checking and hoping now the undergun, you know feels a little more confident and put some money out there and and now we can get that money um you know i guess my only fear in checking is if it checks around one more time and then uh, another card comes that you know if we're up against another pair or something like that um right. so i don't know it's kind of weird my my initial <clears throat> reaction was to, to bet out but I i think you're right it's probably better to check so but it sounds like we're we're doomed either way. So
0: <laughs> I know it does. I, f- I feel bad that we heard that, but it does feel like that. It was fishy. I mean, it could be fishy because he has aces, and he's just like, all right, I'm afraid of the four.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't put it past your normal one three no limit player to to check aces on that flop. Um, I don't think it's a good move, but I would be surprised if that's the case. So
0: yeah, he could be afraid of the four. You know, now we've got threes full. So even then, if he is afraid of the four, and you bet he might fold. So. I think we should check-call something. And
2: it may not even be, be afraid. I think sometimes people get tricky with this stuff, right? You know, it's, it's that same, same type of player that, you know, doesn't raise with pocket aces pre-flop trying to get tricky. And 12 people are in the hand, and then they're surprised when they just lost their stack, and they had the 12th best hand by the end of the
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Cut so, um So I could see somebody with pocket aces going, hey, I raised, I got two callers. It's a crappy board that I don't think it hit anybody. I'm going to check and hope somebody hits the king or queen so I can get their money. And yeah. And unfortunately, we hit our tray for that, if that's the situation. but All right, our hero uh, bets $18 um, and gets a call from the pre-flop raiser, but the button folds. Okay. And he asks, was this the right move? Should I check? I wanted to get some value, hoping he had an overpaid her big ace. Uh, and I was happy with the call.
0: Yeah, like we said, he, he didn't realize the fishiness of the check after that flop. So in his mind, he made the right move. It was probably Ace King that missed in his mind, and because the guy had a button call, he probably was afraid to bet, missing the flop altogether, and thought someone was going to steal it or bet. And when that didn't happen, he got checked around. You're not thinking, oh, seven's full. You're think or whatever. You're thinking this guy had Ace King, he missed. Now I want to get some value for my hand. At least let me get something out of this. And I got threes full, hoping he has an overpair to the seven. So I don't really fault you for betting because you didn't think that. Had you thought that, I would have checked. Right. Right. Yep. Okay.
2: But yeah, it, it's hard not to be happy right now that you we we bet out with this hand and then we got a call. So. All right. Uh, River is a king. So final board seven four four. Trade king. Uh, no flush gets there. He says. Um, and again, it's first to act for us.
0: Yeah, I mean, knowing what we know from his comments, I mean, I don't know what I would do, but I would probably, if I felt that confidently that he had sevens full or now kings full, which I highly doubt, but... um, Kings
2: is more likely, I think, but...
0: I would check call, as long as as it doesn't shove. Then I'd have to think about it. Uh, But uh, I don't know, if I bet again, he's going to raise us, so maybe a defensive bet. There's, There's so many ways you could play this.
2: Yeah, I'm a big fan of checking here, I think, because, you know, I'm not so much worried that he has Pocket Kings and caught up to us, um, but it's a possibility, and I'd rather have him set the price there. It's also a possibility that we were behind the whole time, and, you know, um, obviously we're not ahead now. Um, But the other reason I kind of like checking is that, you know, if this guy had Ace King, um, I, I think Ace King... Could play this hand this way. It raised pre-flop. It got a little spooked by the flop, and then we made a—I don't want to say a weakish bet, but I guess it was about half pot, right? So it's and um and Ace King could have thought we were we were trying to steal because no one showed any interest in it, right? And called, and then the King gets there. So if we check now, now we are playing into that storyline, right? Yeah. So we're playing into that storyline that. Uh, we tried to take a stab at it. We got called now our King got there, so we 're slowing down and now I have ace king, so i've got to have the best hand right so now I bet um and then you know you call and you win the pie. I think this is a cautious hoping to win with a decent with a really strong hand, but not a hand that' was so strong that we want to go to battle with.
0: This so. also gets back to pot control, you know if you 're wrong. If you're wrong, he's got kings full. If you're wrong, he's got sevens full. If you're wrong, and he's got quad fours, you know, well, right. there's only 60 in the pot right now. Because he made a decent bet on the turn. because don't forget, there was no betting on the flop, so there's only right. 29 right. in the pot, you know, after raking and everything. So that's a pretty decent bet, and now there's 36 and 29, so there's like 60 in the pot. So... The most you're going to lose, on. no one's going to... Why would he shove? If he shoves, it's ridiculous. Why would he shove? So if you lose, let's say he makes it 45 or whatever, so you lost 60 on this hand, consider yourself lucky. You could have lost your entire stack. Right, Had you, right. you know what I mean? So I don't mind a check. Call. And, if you, and if you check and he checks behind you go like this, you go, oh, and then yeah. you show your 3-3 three, three, and you say, oh, I thought you were going to bet there. And you cover your, you know. Which so, is
2: still not a bad pot for pocket trays when you got there on the turn. Right right um it'd be different if we flopped it we obviously would want more value out of it but you know we're out of position against there's a lot of things going against us here so i mean if you told me at the beginning of the hand i'm going to give you pocket threes and this is what's going to happen and you're going to win 60 dollars, i would take that every time i think
0: yeah yeah
2: so uh, i'm not too worried about losing value here you know i'm in the big blind and uh i i I'm happy winning whatever pots I can in the big blind. Yeah. Small blind, too, for that matter. So, um, all right. All right, um, all right. Our hero says, uh, I'm still trying to get value out of my full house, so I bet $30. Much to my surprise, I get raised to $75. Oof.
0: Well, the problem now is it's only 45 to win a bunch, and he could have ace king. So,
2: yeah, you, call, you, right? got, you got a call. You got
0: you got to call for that for that hand for that amount of money. You got a call, but if he had checked, he would have bet thirty.
2: Yeah, assuming know? we lost. Yeah, you know, if we if we win, this right. is a great scenario for us. But we right. lose, you're right. If we check, he probably bets thirty. What well, we bet thirty, forty, maybe fifty. Right. Whatever it is, it's less than seventy five. Yep. All right, says so I. Immediately thought, uh, could he have pocket kings? Maybe ace king. No other hand really made sense to me. Should I have considered other hands? I made the call hoping to be Ace King. He says I have a full house in table seven four. <laughs> what? <laughs> Needless to say I was very surprised. Needless to say we're all surprised. Uh, he says he then tells me he had raised pre because he hadn't played the last few hands and was getting bored. I guess he picked the right time.
0: Oh well either way, we knew it was fishy. Oh man, seven four. You know, that happens and it's just ridiculous. I
2: always feel better that he had seven four, right? Why? <laughs> we just were are crushed from the beginning here. We're
0: going you know, through all this and we're corrupt. we can't win unless another three falls.
2: It's not rational, but sy- the psychology of poker is it's better that we just got anytime you like lose a hand you just want to be actually crushed, right? You don't want that person to pip you at the end. Yeah. Or out kick you, you know. <laughs> Those hurt more, even though it doesn't matter. You still lost the hand, right? Yeah. But sci- psychologically, it, it's like, oh, <laughs> all right, guy played seven four. But you know, even more from a poker side, if this guy plays seven four pretty regularly from under the gun, we should want that guy in the game, right? Yeah. So, you know, we lost and and that hurts. But uh, this is a good way to lose, I think. Um,
0: there are some we're, lessons we're, along the way.
2: Much you know. You're right. We would have saved twenty five, thirty bucks on the river here, probably, but.
0: Yeah, Alan Wicker oh, said yeah, they're the the paying attention to the fishiness of it too. Now, of course, it turned out that the fishiness was he raised under the gun with seven four and flopped the world, but it still was fishy because if he had ace king, he would have bet there.
2: Right, I understand that, but here nothing really changes in the in the financials of this hand. By that, right? So if we decide to check the turn, I can't imagine this guy's going to check again, right? Right. So he's probably going to put out a similar bet to the $18 bet we put out. And then because we have a full house, you know, assuming we end up losing, the best case scenario is we just call. We don't get excited and check raise. Um, So there was no other way for us to save money on this hand, I don't think, based on how it happened.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, no. Because you're right. If we don't bet the turn, he has to wake up and bet the turn now. He's not going to get any money for his hand. So we probably call whatever he bets, and it's probably 18 or more. So we probably, you know, or we might even raise there and then lose now, more. Had, so. had we
2: checked and he bet 18 we called, so the, the financials are the same through the turn. Now I don't know what happens on the river. I mean... We probably river, still bet. We might be tempted to check, raise him <laughs> on the river at that point. I, we may not have, but, but we still would have... We probably wouldn't have bet the thirty at that point. We would have checked, and he would have set the price, which is the same thing we just mentioned. So, again, I don't think it changes anything, really. Right. Money's always going to be about the same, I think, in this situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only way I... I mean, you could have folded pocket threes pre-flop, but no way. <laughs> right, yeah. Right, no way. So, after that, but if you had if you did smell the fishiness, maybe you get away with... Well, no, you do save money on the end, like you said, because you would have check-called the end, and he would have bet less than 75. So that's really it. Just being aware of that fishiness of him not also betting. that's how
2: we would have played. So I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah,
0: it? no, me and you, I mean, but I'm just saying him. I'm letting him know. Yeah. To me, that's that's the only thing he could have done differently um, and saved money. But uh, chalk it up to experience. And you get to be on the show, so that's always, yeah, that's always valuable. It's invaluable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We will see you at the tables.
1: AntiUp is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the PodSafe Music Network.